0: back to praxis pedagogy podcast so glad you took the time to sit down stand up walk around jump around whatever you're doing and listening to this podcast praxis podcast is about us centering our practice honing our craft in education life is an apprenticeship and we want to build a guild of educators where we all come share what we know learn from each other and grow from the learning take care
1: lot anymore then i've got to go and find
2: you know tony bates so you can make a decent cuppa unlike these two probably <laughs> I, I make no cuppas <laughs> okay there's one I don't
3: person even know what in a this cuppa room
4: is. right
2: <laughs> yeah
4: i, I can drink them. i drink a canna, oh, a
1: I've, canna. Got,
4: I've got a canna right here look at that
1: <laughs> no my canna's in the my canna's in the i a goblet.
0: Can <laughs> you have a goblet i have a chalice lucy <laughs> a chalice i do Ooh. see
1: oh you do oh, you do, do. You Chalice. It really is. It is. Great. It
0: is a real chalice. It's gotten like this stupid background. <laughs> I know. But you know, could take Lucy to show up with like a fluted glass and okay. you know, yeah.
2: get the it's Christmas true. tree from is Buckingham
0: it... Palace in the background. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. she's coming at us from Hogwarts there.
2: No, this is <laughs> the right. great room at Buckingham Palace.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lucy, you're the new you're the new co-host. you are gonna have to uh, suspend <laughs> yeah. Sally for a couple weeks here. I'm gonna
2: i gonna
3: Let's push her out
0: yeah just, we'll just delete her screen.
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right
1: it's right oh. who did you say she was Sally, what? Somebody. Sorry? Yeah.
0: What? Sally somebody. <laughs> somebody somebody Somebody? it's only from an undisclosed location right Mike <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. yes Mikey
0: <laughs> you know, have you guys seen the ad for the new uh, over the ear phones from Apple yes 700 bucks us.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, I I can buy two
0: pairs of Dr. Dre beats for that, right? Like, give me a stinking break.
2: Did you just beatbox (laughs) that?
0: Yeah, that's right. I can do that all day. I need to
2: look. Right? that should be that should happen in between the segments on the podcast <laughs> yeah well it's, it's right. got something's
0: got to change because i've been getting feedback from people who listen to the podcast when i actually use heavy metal stingers and they're like dude you got to stop doing that because you're blowing my ears off my face man
2: i love that yeah and my, I know, I my, my colleague yeah. yota she's like um i had oh, what, what, what band did i have tickets to oh, i can't remember now anyway she's hot big rocker and then um she was like, I listen to the podcast and I love the music. Oh God. Okay.
3: That's
0: good. I got I got oh, some feedback yeah. from a from a colleague at BCIT who I would never have expected would listen to the podcast. He's like, Yeah, I'm living, I'm loving your podcast, man. Great deal. Like especially the last one with Tannis, man. Like awesome. I'm like, oh. oh
2: that's good and now Ed, now ed's on the train and he and chad yeah. got mentioned, you did and i got a mention i was like I yeah. So oh, mentioned.
4: Yeah. yeah i'm actually recording monday that's so awesome. that's,
2: that's so cool yeah. yeah it's just
4: he's such a sweet man and oh it comes across God. in this podcast you just want to give he's him a big a hug oh. yeah he's like, come here Ed. Come here. Come here. <laughs> no. like that story he was talking about when he got the teaching job and he's oh, driving yeah. back and his dad had passed yeah. away but he was talking to his dad i was like oh oh, yeah. i
2: was like Ch- Oh, yeah. like choking it's like, up. Okay, I'm to gonna it, fast forward
0: like, to this because no one I don't want people to see me cry as I'm walking down the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe maybe he's that podcast. You know, like when you go on shows and they always make you cry, like people are yes. I'm not gonna cry on here. <laughs> and then this is gonna be his <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. Every <laughs> yeah. member is gonna cry eventually That's at some right. point. Okay. Yeah. So you lot, how come
1: you have the time? How come this last week? you had time to listen to this, obviously in waking hours. I'm like, yeah. it is insanely
2: busy, like it so busy. busy.
0: Time blocking, Lucy, time blocking. Yeah.
3: That's the key. Uh,
2: I mean, I did that. I, I wanted to listen cause I was, I didn't want it to like skip over and I wanted to support him and stuff. So I, like i just said to actually toby was listening to it as well and i was just like i just want to listen to his first one kind of stuff but yeah and then this and luckily chad was free to go to that tony bates thing yesterday because i and i said oh you'd really like this and i think it was from bc campus it was through the justice institute but the bc campus yep. promoted it yeah yeah
0: that's because and tannis yeah. morgan is
2: but you do yeah. with buckingham palace so i do exactly you yeah. might see a corgi run by <laughs> Sorry, a just- is,
0: that a, is that a hot dog kind of thing? Yeah. A hot the dog fat one. With one? No it's, like a pasty. it's a pasty.
2: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Well, how, is everybody doing?
0: how are the lovely people doing today? So far so good. It's Friday, man. I know. It's been it? Friday for me since yesterday. Yeah. And oh, nice. in the morning.
1: Tisk, tisk.
0: Okay, Sally, what, you mean? what happens when you get to control your own schedule, girl?
1: I know. Well, I do control it. It's sitting at about 75 hours a week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Just, well, just been yeah.
1: a, a collision. A, yes. This whole, huge collision of projects, but the good news is the RAB, R-E-B's approved, but it just is, it is, it's like a confluence of projects that's what's going on that's That's good for friday at 4 15.
0: look at you you. yeah how many uh how many gin and tonics have you (laughs)
1: actually i'm hoping dean remembers to actually pour a beer in a minute because of course they were a bit warm they're now in the freezer you know um, the non-disclosed that's the problem with i hear you
0: i hear you all right you ready Oh, yes. <laughs> I've been recording since I've come on, I so I've got yeah. like 20 that's minutes of real the, good stuff here. Stuff oh, yeah, I've been remote. recording, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'll put a few outtakes in the beginning and the end. Nothing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's- <laughs> okay, that's yes. enough. I hear that very good
3: for yeah.
1: storing information on. Information.
0: Yeah, we're going off the rails.
3: Yeah. Oh.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Ready? Three two one hey everybody welcome back to praxis pedagogy podcast <sighs> number 50 people you did it number 50 this is this is uh no kidding this is the this is one of the serious benchmarks in the podcasting world if you didn't know that already
4: when have you, you love, have, have you hit 50 before oh yeah yeah with on podcasts my, the guild, not age <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Hey-oh>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> insert drum roll here no so in 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 my I have two other podcasts. The first one I had the guild, I got up to episode 65, 67 ish. And then, uh, in praxis notes or the, the short one that I did for a little while, I didn't, I don't think I made it up to 20, but, um, yeah. So number 50, so I've I've got about 135 podcasts under my belt now. It's good. It's all good. Congrats. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a big one, right? 50 is the tipping point for a lot of podcasts. And, uh, usually they, they die out within, within 10 or 12, 15, 10, 15, 20 of 50. So they'll die out by about the 30 mark or they'll die out at the 70, 80 mark. So the next big milestone is 75, 80. And then after that, it's, you know, looking back, then you're like in the James Altucher, Joe Rogan, oh. Mark <laughs> Marin. <laughs> tim ferris i feel like it's just Flynn.
1: gaining momentum i look at january's yeah. lineup and i'm like wow oh it's crazy exciting. yeah I,
0: i'm I, I did i just re- well, i recorded alan levine last week and uh, that was phenomenal so for everybody who's listening to this episode alan will be on next week and um yeah i mean it, talk about you know just sitting there like uh, this is like Alan Levine on the other side of the screen. I He's totally to cool. To like one. he doesn't yeah, totally cool. He's been doing this forever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when Tony Bates was a teenager, Alan was getting into this kind of stuff. Yeah. So Alan, not that you're old, you're just, you're seasoned. I you think know, is the term we use <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So next week Alan's on and then I got a couple uh, electrical apprentices again. So Darcy's coming on. And then I'm I'm thinking of doing a new addition to the to the podcast called Praxis Notes, where I go through some books that I've been reading, and uh, kind of do like a maybe a Jocko Willing kind of flavor to it, where it's like a, these are like Five I'm
2: currently hours.
4: sorry. Five-hour podcasts? No.
2: You're going to read the book to us because we don't have <laughs> yeah. time to read it's it.
0: Right. It's like Audible,
4: but it's not. Right. Uh,
0: it's so some dramatic sounds going off in the background. My kids reenacting <laughs> stuff some from books. Box.
3: You could be beatboxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I could beatboxing it. No, but I'm 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 reading a bunch of books right now. I'm almost finished uh, the Practice by Seth Godin. Godin. Seth Godin. Godin. Phenomenal. Phenomenal book, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm just starting geeky pedagogy, so that's the first one that'll come. It's a in great January. book.
4: Have you read it already? Yep. Uh, How do you
2: read with a 15 month old?
4: Very early in the morning. Oh. It's, called, it's called four hours of sleep a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sleeps for the week. <laughs> yeah. Sleeps for the week. Yeah. No, I set aside an hour every morning to read, so I get up yeah. early just because I I need that. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So I'm I'm doing this praxis note thing starting January. Oh. So every every month, the big, the first episode of every month will be a praxis note. So I've got geeky pedagogy lined up, War of Art Education Series. So if you've read there's, that book, really,
4: there's an education
0: yeah. series in that. No, I'm making it an education series. Oh, the Stephen Pressfield book, right? Yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what the best college teachers do? I'm gonna do yes. that one and then radical hope. And I'm focusing on chapter eight with radical hope. Good old chapter eight. Oh
4: yeah. What yeah. was nope. it? <laughs> don't use your, don't use your pedagogy as a weapon. Oh yeah. That's a good, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Have
4: you yeah. talked to Kevin? You should try to get him on the show. Uh, come yeah.
0: on. I. Oh, Dude, i I, yeah, you know, you're caught between that. Really, or do you, or you think you're that good that you can ask these guys who've written books and are like high You asked us, hey,
2: yeah. you asked Lucy. That's
0: <laughs> true, <laughs> like it's very true. Lucy. Lucy's here.
2: It was risky, yeah. it, was, it, was it risky. is risky, yeah, <laughs> yeah. in
0: more Can't ways be. than one. It's risky,
2: <laughs> but
0: uh, but oh, on top of that, we've got George Velas Velasianos. Stanos, Stanos, so yeah. he's coming he's on. Awesome. Um, I got Robin Derosa signed up. She's coming. Cat uh, Hassard. I've had her on the Guild podcast. Mm-hmm. She's a Tvet instructor from Sate. She'll be oh, on in awesome. February. Yeah. Trying to rope in Carrie Nolan. So Carrie, if you're listening, uh, we need to get you in here. Uh, Jessica, we've got Jessica roped in. That's, yeah,
1: Jessica is uh, doing. Yeah, extraordinarily. Mm-hmm stuff yep. with the horticulture department over mm-hmm. at the IU.
0: Mm. Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a pretty good lineup coming up for the next two, three months. So I'm excited. I think,
2: I think you're at a good spot because, um, you know, even though we've done so much in this last year has been crazy, I think that we're now like really looking forward to, you know, this was awful and it was, but yeah. it was a lot of learning. There was, there was so much great learning. Mm-hmm. And I think now like we've got like, so many like great things that we can do. Baby alert. Just... Hang on, we've got a new uh, guest on the a new show. guest. He's awesome. Apparently
4: yeah, he loves right? the Beastie Boys.
2: Put, put the yeah, mic he does on. love
4: the Beastie Boys.
2: <laughs>
4: can you do some sabotage, Sammy?
2: It's funny because they can't hear her. <laughs> <a>, Hi! here's <laughs> <laughs> our future superstar.
4: Well. Yeah. One day.
2: He has more hair than my daughter, who's two and a half.
4: So... <laughs> He still but doesn't have a lot of it though. Lila has no hair too. It's this got more hair than the, me.
2: The
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> the future of oh. education is right there in a very yeah, cute exactly. orange sweater. With you know, a big future
4: pedagogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He loves his carrot.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, he's uh yeah. All right. See you, Sam. See you later, Sam. Bye-bye. Finish that bye-bye. carrot, buddy. It's like, what is that real yeah. doing? <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> Where is that like from? he's even
0: holding the carrot like a Beastie Boys microphone, like that up in the air kind of reverse thing.
4: Yeah, that's what we work a lot on that around. We here. work a yeah. lot on that. Yeah. <laughs> if
3: Beautiful.
0: all
4: else
1: fails, you're cool. That's, that's right. The thing.
4: Very cool. <laughs> exactly. So has everybody got their oh, beverage?
2: Yeah. No, yeah. Mine's still chilling. Still chilling. Yeah. Still chilling. What
0: are you? What are you drinking, Lucy?
2: I have um, a uh, what is it? a viognier from backyard wineries in Langley.
3: Oh, look at
0: you.
2: And um, go see them because they're still open, even they're though still that, open. Even though that be, there's right a pandemic. Then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, open till five. But yeah. They, um, yeah, I've been a wine member with them for about three years. And um, we, uh, we snuck there last week while Lennon was in school and Lila was in daycare and went and picked up our wine for Christmas. So, what um, is a wine
0: yeah. member? What does that mean? So it's
1: you a get very posh words, Tim. Yeah, yeah. that drinks
2: wine. Oh. <laughs> is it someone who drinks too much wine? <laughs> Do you get a card um, for that? Is so there, like, you, you're, you're on a scan? membership. You're on a membership, and then you get like um, if when you buy a case of wine, you get a discount off the case. Um, and you have to buy a case at least twice a year, which is.
3: No problem. <laughs> <Yes>. No <laughs> <A> year. <laughs> yeah. Forget about the financial part.
0: Can yeah. I drink a case? <laughs> yeah. Can I drink a case within a couple of months? Yeah, no yeah. problem. Good. This is um, twelve in a case, so let's 12, twelve one a week. That's that's about three months, yeah. right? If you do yeah. two a
3: week, yeah.
0: And, and well,
2: normally we get them in because we have people over, but obviously no one's friends. coming over, so it's we gonna maybe friends. last us a bit longer. Gosh. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And then uh, yeah, and another place I visited last week was Glass House in Langley it Gla- uh, seems to be
0: the hopping place for wine
2: it's state winery it yeah and uh, it's it's really nice all their corks are made of glass so
3: really what
2: yeah they're like a glass how do you use a cork, and cork you can, can reuse them so what? it's got like a rubber thing around the glass and then you take it off and then you can reuse it for like a, as a bottle um like a um a bottle stopper you can reuse it so, yeah. so all their corks are like that yeah every single one yeah they're all glass can you, can you say gen- that again?
0: Can you say bottle stopper
2: again? Bottle stopper. And <laughs> <laughs> <In> Guardian Houston. <laughs> I don't kind of want to genderize this conversation,
1: <laughs> but there's only oh, two of mercy. us that are really intrigued by these glass bottle stoppers for the real reason. Glass stoppers, are yeah. so pretty, aren't they? They are pretty, so pretty. yeah. Yeah, because that's why
0: I'm buying wine, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Because things just look pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Chad
2: and Tim are just being like, why would you want to yes. know? Yes. Yeah. You'll appreciate when things open up and you can come around for tastings, then you'll oh, appreciate my uh, okay. round fan to the of wine membership.
0: Okay. Yeah. I will mm-hmm. I will certainly put that on my calendar. Yeah. Uh-huh. The second thing I look for when I look for an IPA is obviously where it's made because I, I care about that kind of stuff. And then I look at the alcohol content. Mm. So if an IPA has less than 6.5, well, I don't know if it even qualifies as an IPA at less than 6.5, but I'm hovering around 6.87 i Not love me. those double ipas where you're coming in at eight eight and a half nine
2: no have you um tried thor's hammer from yes. Surrey central brewery yes Ooh, that's like 12 yes. and a half percent
0: yep amnesiac from phillips that is phenomenal it's 10 percent. doesn't taste yeah, like 10 percent, but it feels like 10 when you're about three like quarters it. of the way through it's like oh hello now yeah, we're here now, and my, uh, my
2: face is numb. Uh, and, uh, you're done. Bad yeah. life decisions
0: written all you're over. You're done. It. Yeah, I made the mistake of having two in one sitting one time. Yeah, I won't do that again.
2: Well, I'll do an episode twenty-four of uh, Practice <laughs> Pedagogy. That's why number, you made number it 80 will be five. Yeah,
0: yeah, very good, very good. So, uh, what do you want to talk about?
1: Oh, I have an idea. We got the whole Sorry. gang
0: here. What do you want to talk I about?
1: Know. Okay, I think oh, we God. should. First of all, pick the one thing about the whole T-Bet sy- system that we are ready to burn down. One
0: thing.
2: <laughs> burn down. Everybody gets... There's that it. Term, burn, it, burn, it down. burn it down. I normally always like think about things to build up.
0: I yeah. just normally
2: forget about the burn down stuff and I forget about it and put it away and just start working. Um, so it's have well, another sip of that like, wine, Lucy. Yes. You I know, have but- a solution on the first round Okay. Can go,
1: okay. And we do, this is figuratively speaking. I, I know I'm going to burn down. Okay, okay. great. Right. Okay. So we'll go down the burn down, but by the time it comes back round to us, we have to have a solution. Oh,
2: oh yeah, totally, mercy. easy. Love it.
1: Tough one.
0: Okay, yeah, you go easy. first. Use your idea, you go first.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm, I'm going to leap in there that- um, oh Do you God. have notes? I have notes. I did write it down. Yes. No. 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 You can't
2: throw an idea out there and come prepared. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. Because Tim Carson's, but no, I've I've been prepared since January the (laughs) sixteenth during my dissertation, where I said. This group are ready to burn it down and start from the beginning. (laughs) So it was, yeah, I've done a lot of research about this, about six years worth actually. I think the one that I'm going to go for today, the point that I'm going to make is around students' um, perspective around that learning is listening.
3: Oh, I'm writing that down.
1: Yeah, that is something that I would like to. Remove from, I think, any education system. So we can look at various sides of that, but the assumption lives quite strongly that learning is listening. So that's mine.
0: So, you're so why saying, why do you want to burn it down?
1: Why? Because if the assumption's made that somebody learns through listening, I'm I'm not meaning that just you know for a few minutes here, there, and everywhere, but mm. I'm talking about, for example, when um, students need to sit and listen to lectures for a long time, and the assumption is that if they've heard it then they understand it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you frequently hear instructors say things like, we've been over that. We went over that the other week. We did this in class. And so it's this assumption that because somebody has heard something, that they have a full under conceptual understanding of it. And I think in our school system, Up until a certain point, there is this assumption that if you sit in a row and you listen to what is being told to you, that you are learning. And so, I'm going to say, although that does have a place in education, we need to be very deliberate about that. So, if we think about TED Talks, I mean, fabulous. I like. I feel like I learn so much from a TED Talk, and yet they're very deliberate. They're very clear on their intended outcomes. And so I'm just going to say as a everyday assumption, we need to, we're going with burn it down, but maybe it's just that we need to explore that assumption.
4: But why do TED Talks work in standardized lectures? Not right. And I think what you said is spot on like they're they're deliberately designed they're never more than 18 minutes long mm-hmm. and they pack a lot in there people spend years writing them yeah. whereas when we lecture and i'm i'm the most guilty of all of us i can just talk and so i can talk and talk and talk and talk and go past 20 no, minutes no, no it's true to him. i <laughs> no no <laughs> just one second i gotta You're keep too going. hard on yourself Jen.
2: <laughs> don't interrupt him when he's speaking yeah, yeah. exactly Sit down and
4: learn <laughs> so that's I'm i listening. think that's the thing it goes back to deliberate design
2: yeah, I totally. Yeah. I mean, okay. it goes
1: back to clearly having an intended outcome. So mm-hmm. TED Talks, as you say, mm-hmm. very deliberate. So when we look at, I mean, that's our solution, isn't it? Which really we're not getting round to the solution just yet.
3: No. But
2: mm-hmm. um, because you've all got to put your, you know. And and just know, to forward. speak on that with the TED Talks too, like <laughs> TED Talks normally direct like they've got three or four major points. So for me Mm -hmm. concentrate on that one point and then I'll go back and watch it again. And then I'll concentrate Mm -hmm. on that second point and I'll go and like make notes of what I need to research from that. So that Mm -hmm. repetitive kind of what you take from each time is different.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Let me jump in. It's about a story. (laughs) Mm That's what I learned with Alan, right? Mm -hmm. If If you start putting stories and metaphors to your teaching, that's key yeah. right yeah. so your your typical ted talk is a story arc right mm-hmm. there's 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 a problem they introduce the character there's a little bit of conflict there's some resolution and then there's application boom done
1: and you also you're able the assumptions being made as well that you can revisit that and you probably will revisit that several times with intention yeah so i think you know the intention when you arrive in a classroom and you know you're there for 3 hours and in your experience is that a lot of the time you could arrive there to class and you are going to be an observer for most of that time you're going to be mm-hmm. in that passive role and so i think there's a lot of assumptions are made i'm talking from the student's perception um you know how they've been shaped to learn through a lot of our k to 12 system although that I'm going to come up with a different point there in my solution. But it also shapes, there's two sides to this, how the perception that educators, so that if we look at trades, the SMEs do think that if they tell you about their experience, about how they all solve things or how they've solved things, that this will help you understand. and, And maybe it does help but I think that we're missing a very valuable piece in there when we make that assumption around listening. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. And one thing I wanted, and this kind of goes into the solution bit, a bit too, but from what Lucy, picking up what she said about how with Ted talks, she, there's three points. She gets one mm-hmm. and then she can go back, right? Mm-hmm. she can go back and listen to it. Well, maybe we need mm-hmm. to start thinking about that. How are our students going to be able to go back and listen to them? Are we providing them with videos? Are we providing them with, with audio where they can go back, right? We, mm-hmm. we lecture, And then we say, well, we went over it last week. Why don't you remember that? Well, how are they supposed to remember 25 points in three hours when I can barely remember? And we're we're educated people who watch these things over and over again, right? So it's it's one of those things that gets back to the whole deliberate design.
3: Mm -hmm. For sure.
1: Okay. Before Chad offers up a solution, because I know he's just like, he's hovering on the solution there and we've got to hold that solution back. Who's up next? Mike Smith, are you in the house?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing, yeah, from the undisclosed college, I talked to Mike, talked to his lawyers today. He's not allowed to talk about (laughs) his undisclosed college, but he is here. Signed
0: a a no, no, no. uh, Non-disclosure. Non-disclosure.
4: He still has a career ahead of him. And when he starts burning things down, he doesn't want to start (laughs) pointing fingers and naming names. (laughs) Um, Oh, but you want to. So things that we would burn down, standardized tests. Oh
2: my like God! That. You, ah, that's what I was ah, gonna say.
4: You go there, Lucy. <laughs> Lucy, you Should've got, got three minutes.
3: I know. Yeah, now
4: you got some time. <sighs> like, I, I and I'll here. I can talk for a while, so don't worry. You just go pick something <laughs> yeah, okay, out. Okay, absolutely,
2: Lucy. you gonna in the corner yeah. and think. go not
4: have another glass, wine
1: wickeds. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yep. Just and, and we've talked about this before. We've written about it. all of us have talked and written about it and waxed eloquently about the fact that we are training our students to take tests and that's it like yeah. where when they leave our trades programs some of them are really really good at taking multiple choice exams and what does that do for them in real life well nothing when they should be learning how to collaborate they should be learning how to problem solve we should be building more authentic assessments into our curriculum and i get the whole idea that we have the red seal exams that they have to take and how else are they supposed to assess that maybe we need to think about burning that down too and start moving more towards an e portfolio that micro-credentialing, all that that sort of fun stuff, right? Because there's so much that goes behind that. I I did really well in school, but, and I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying that when I went and wrote my Red Seal exam, I was sick, but I had to write it that day. And so I went in there and I bombed it. And all it said was to me that I did bad on that day because I had a bad day. How many students walk into these tests and we sit there and think that, you know, that's going to be a good indicator of them understanding it. Or how many, it's an old cliche and an old trope. good in the class, bad on the tools, good on the tools, bad in the class. It's, there's reasons why we have those stereotypes and we need to get rid of that.
1: I, um, I didn't take my red seal until four years ago because it wasn't available in BC for hairstylists. But by that time I'd been hairdressing for 114 years
3: and I'd taken. (laughs) Whoa, you look fantastic. I know
1: aging pretty well there. Um, and, um,
0: I must know somebody in aesthetics.
1: (laughs) I do don't (laughs) mention her name. Um, And so I'd taken this exam before in the UK. I'd taken a provincial one when I arrived in BC back in about 95. And so this, and I had taught this subject to the standard within the province for, I think at that time, about 10 years or yeah something like that so it should have been an absolute walk in the park for me but I really did spend a lot of time reviewing before I went into it because it it seemed incredibly high stakes for me because it was like it was my career at that time and I took just about the full amount of time I actually went over the questions in great detail and I'm you know, it's not like I think, oh, I'm really strong critical thinker, but I do have an element of that to me. And what I found was if you think critically about those questions, suddenly there's so many variables in them mm-hmm. that you find yourself thinking, well, it you know, I was even writing questions down saying, Well, did they miss a comma in this in this question? Because They're they're so poorly written Mm -hmm. and and you get this sheet that you write down if you have any queries about questions. So I took my time writing lots of things on this sheet, um, providing (laughs) feedback. And at one point I said, it's as if this has been translated from another language. Like there were four or five questions that were clearly not grammatically correct. So that was a concern. But when I left that um, exam, I walked back into uh, to my office and I said to my colleagues, I honestly don't know whether I passed or not. I haven't got Mm. a clue. That's how I feel about it. That's, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if I had failed. A few days later, I got a phone call from the ITA and they said, oh, you know, we'd like to chat to you you've got the highest score we've ever had on the ITA exam <laughs> but we're querying your questions and and the reason why it was a high score not because i'm super smart or anything like that was because Will the you Reds- write it. <laughs> no, I didn't. no, I didn't know anything about it at that point. Oh, yeah, good. good one that Lucy. Yeah, I would do now. But yeah. the thing Lucy's was... Lucy's always
0: good for throwing a rock. And yeah, I know. Get you know, like, yeah, that's you right in the shins. To,
1: yeah. <laughs> smart, and I want you to know, I don't have that high score any longer because what it was, was that up until that point, the Red Seal exam had been given to hairdressing students in the province that had done their foundation program. So since 2007, all of the candidates for that exam were foundation students. They hadn't even gone into industry. So Mm. that was what the big leap was that surprised them. But the thing that I took away from it is what Chad is saying as well. Is this a good, you know, is it a good measure? Now the positive thing with hairdressing is that there's a seven and a half hour practical ex- exam. Mm. That's a rigorous exam, and it does really mirror the demands of industry. But the actual I, written exam,
2: yeah, yes. I mean, even with the practical exam, it's one day, and um, and so like with um, you know, again, it's a standardized test. It's just done in a practical way. Like um, you know, you have um, the, the the reason why I wanted to talk about you know, modulized tests and stand like uh, in, in standardization is because just what Chad said, like it doesn't measure how good you are at that particular trade, even though some, there are some tests that all four answers are right, but the, you know, the the best answer, you know, is the, you know, that they, they're rated on different answers. But, um, but again, like I'd never, I'd never written a multiple choice test um before mm. coming to North America. And so I didn't even know what it meant. i was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Seriously? You give them the answer and they pick, like they I guess. I don't know. Yes. So, um, and I, you know. Three no wonder years you're a colony. Trade school, <laughs> <laughs> Three years of trade school. And then we, you know, none of us, like I asked my brother, he's an engineer. I'm like, did you ever do any like multiple choice tests? He's like, what? No, I didn't. And so like, you just, you had to write like for, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, we had the, you know, the entire nervous system of the body and we have to know the nervous system and label the the areas you know you don't you don't have to just pick a b c or d and uh and it's the same with the practical test too like uh, we um how the, com- the you know real competency-based learning isn't in a final exam you know and i think there should never be a, a final exam in any practical so in our trade in holistic therapies or hair hairdressing you know they might say okay now you're going to do your one perm or your you know your hot stone massage and you're 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 just rated on that one time like no it should be an accumulation of assessments Mm you should know more in week in you know in the in the last month of your program than you did the first time that you were assessed like so give them the whole bloody program to master their skill don't test them you know throughout the program you know do mini me mini assessments so they can grow obviously but the final results should be based on one test or one practical you know technique and um and you're right like with with the red seal exam that really needs to be that needs to be looked at i think one of the the great things about this past year is that we, we can now realize that there is, there is so much that we can now do. We have so much potential and education is, it's just gonna, it's gonna completely Mm. somersault. we
3: you
2: know, and, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I do think about the people that are live teaching and trying to process this at the same time. And I hope that you know, there is support for faculty out there to make their programs propel like this, but we are going to go like this, like we're going to go, we're going to completely change direction.
1: And I think what you said, somebody said earlier about the portfolio idea, and now it's just, you know, I look at an asynchronous program for a trade and the e-portfolio is just the, the, the students are coming away with that, whether it's intentional or not. So, you know, for instructors that have never used that, um, you know, that model before, suddenly we've got evidence of when students are reviewing their own work, they're submitting their own videos, and they're looking at their work, and d- they are intentionally improving mm-hmm. it. So I think, like you say, when you take something like the red seal exam and know that this can be captured in that way, and I know that those, the not workbooks, what are the books called? Workbooks? Yes, the logbooks have been introduced, (laughs) but if they're e-portfolio logbooks, this is a whole Mm -hmm. different thing. And just one thought about that multiple choice test, I've got to say this. One of the easiest ways to make really good um, case study questions is to take some of those existing multiple choice tests. And remove the answers, remove those choices. And then you've got these, some of those questions are just brilliant. They require so, you know, mm-hmm. such a high level of understanding and it's right there for you to use. But it's that whole thing. People would say, but then I have to mark everyone. Like I have to go through That's every true. test. Yeah. And this comes back to what Kieran Egan, Dr. Kieran Egan always says is, we do know how to educate people. What we don't know how to do is educate them cheaply. So that's mm. what we're trying to do. We're trying to do it so everything becomes efficient. But a multiple choice test is efficient, but it's not an efficient way of measuring.
3: Understanding. But it's making
2: it granular. So like mm-hmm. in, the, you know, when uh, when I was teaching in the UK, we had assessors, internal verifiers, external verifiers. And so um, the instructor would mark their classes work. And um, so we used to have like exam books because we had to, to like fill out the whole human body and systems and whatever. And so they were exam books that we would do bit by bit and, and stuff. And so then an internal verifier, so somebody who has some degree within that department would handpick Um, a few different exams and look at how everything was being marked and uh, they would sign off on that. So each person, the the teacher, the internal assessor had a number. And so who it was marked by, they would mark it their name and they'd put their assessing number. The internal verifier would pick a group of these exams and then they would check it off. Yeah, this looks great. And they would put their number down. And then the external verifier that comes from the board, like from sitting guilds or VTech or wherever, or VCT, Tech or Tech, whatever it is, they would then come in and they would pick, handpick some of the work that was done by both the internal verifier and the assessor. And if that all looked good, they knew the system was working, That everybody was accountable for what they marked because every faculty member had a number attached to them. So if they went back and said, this person doesn't know, you know, aromatherapy, or this person doesn't know this part of um, mm. the physics that they should know, like when they're out in the field in engineering or whatever they're doing, and it will trace back to who marked what. And, you know, that that is a, a really great system. And also the, in the uh, assessors can also go out into industry and work with their apprentices and mark off work from their apprentices as well. So it's all kind of connected. And it's just, I'm not saying that that's what we need to do. We need to copy that, but there are, some great systems out there we don't have to recreate the wheel and and uh yeah so there's lots of options there and the e-portfolio that's your that will get you your career you mm-hmm. know when you leave school and you can show them all this work that you've done instead of oh yeah i i, I did this multiple choice test like that that portfolio is going to get you the job over the next person like yeah you know well, and why are we
4: why do we silo industry from education? I know p- people, I get pushed back on that saying, no, no industry's part of it. They're, they're they sit on committees. They're part of this committee, that committee, but why aren't we bringing the stakeholders into it at a granular level? Like, why are we not getting the form into, and I, I, I hate, and I'm sorry, but I hate the logbook idea because I had the logbook when I went through my apprenticeship, you know what happened? I got people signing off on things I never know. even touched. <laughs> so it, they don't work. And what happens is you'll get some people holding you hostage with the logbook and other people will just sign off on it. So the e-portfolio, I think for me works because then they can provide evidence. And that's what gets, gets me excited with that idea, but we need to bring industry in more. And because they spend 80% of their time in industry doing their studying or their training, and yet we're, we're giving them a test for the 20% that they're in the class And on that, we're giving them a multiple choice summative exam. It's brutal.
1: When you think about the um, e-portfolio and you think about something like a blog, I mean, Jessica Gamella is going to be on the show in January. Um, and one of her colleagues has been using uh, WordPress blogs throughout the whole <laughs> semester. And when you look at the potential that's there, I mean, there's e-portfolios in um, LS, LMS Um systems but mm-hmm. the problem with those is that you they're more they're clumsy to move forward but if you have this if you use something like wordpress so that this is a living really is a living portfolio that you continue like the potential is there and i think the thing is what 2020 has done is people that weren't looking for other ideas now are so you know, so aware of all the tools that are out there that we can't possibly in twenty twenty one when you know hopefully we're all vaccinated and life returns to normal. We can't ignore this now because we know it, and you just mm. and you can't go back, can't unknow all of this. Thank goodness.
2: When I finished my uh, my program in the UK in two thousand two thousand and two was my I think I finished my whole thing and um I had a portfolio an actual portfolio it was like this thick where I took photos of stuff and like print and printed them out and then stuck mm. them in the book and then I used to carry that around to like interviews and stuff to show like all the work that I'd done and I'm just like now nah, there's so many fun ways to kind of do that but Yep. Anyway, I'm going to knock on to my one because it's not that as exciting as that. That was what I was going to pick, um, but um, uh, removing hours based.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: There, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, you don't need to say that. Yeah, I, you know, I sat in a classroom for seventeen thousand hours, and that's I what listen, made me great. Listened, I listened, miles. I listened, and I done multiple choice exams, and now I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you I think that um again, real competency based is you complete the program at a level that's sufficient to you. So obviously the the way in which we deliver education has to be done not all at once. Like you can't be like, I mean, maybe it can. I'm sure everyone's done courses where everything's uploaded and you can just move through it as you want to. Um, I do feel if we're doing like a full foundation program or um we're doing um you know, a ten months of of work that we need to we need to deliver the information and in how the and how the, the the faculty member feels that it should be taken in by the students. Um, but when we look at how we work through like work on um, training aids or work on clients or whatever we're doing, um I think that we should be able to flourish. And if we um mm-hmm. if we can do that quicker and we can have support in in doing that, um, doing that work at the level that we want to learn at, we won't get bored. And um, and so, really, I mean, yeah, you could finish. You could finish your program in in eight months or nine months or ten months. You will pay the same tuition because you will get in the same education. But if you wish to, you know, I've done all my assessments. I've done everything I need to be doing. I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to work. And I'd like to check back in with you next month. and if I have any questions, but I'm ready to go. And you know. Again, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to manage and the, the details are difficult, but the students will benefit like, so much. And I'm sorry to say, but again, that's how I taught when I was teaching in a different country <laughs> was um, I had students leave in May and June and some that stayed till the end of July. Mm-hmm. And then and, you know, and it depended on what their needs were. And so I feel that removing hours the I, I, again, I've never worked in an hours-based education until I came to North America. It's not done in South Africa. It's not done in Australia. It's not done in the UK. It's not done in Europe. So again, it's, where is it? Where's that come from? It's, it,
1: it's not done in academia either. I mean, no. I know with, um, sort of master's programs you it does say that you need to attend so many hours of class you, know, you can't miss them but it doesn't when you take an undergrad degree there are lots of them like if you choose not to go to class if you don't need to if you're the kind of learner that is able to read the text and 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 provide what is required of you then there's not this hour count attached to it so we assume that when it's academic that you can learn in more your own style, your more, your, um, level of ability, but we don't assume that with trades. Mm-hmm. Like you say, we're, yeah. we're using a different measure, aren't we? For, for both systems of knowledge.
4: We're putting them all in the same situation. And it gets us almost to the conversation about asynchronous versus synchronous Yes, where you, totally. it's, we can have situations where the students that really need us can have us and the students that don't need us don't need us. And so they can go off and they can tear through what they need to. Yes, there's mm-hmm. going to be times where they need, they need the experience. They need the wisdom, but then why not have them be part of a cohort that yes, you don't have to be in that class or take those courses the whole time, but you follow this cohort for the four years and you still have, I don't know, a counselor or whatever along the way that's there to bounce ideas off of in a group. But Mm -hmm. why should all 16 students sit in a class when some of them, I've had engineering students sit in a foundation level class and I had to teach them fractions? And it's embarrassing for them to have to be there, but they need to do that. They have to follow the steps to get through to do the Mm -hmm. whole thing.
1: Chad, you're not going to believe this. We had this conversation today at the digital tool shed because I actually just happened to present on a math for trade book that you might be familiar with.
4: It's written by a couple of hacks.
1: Yeah, I think so. By, yeah. yeah, I think
2: it's garbage. Garbage.
1: nice to know, but not need to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, not need to know. Anyway, and that came forward. Um, you know, somebody that teaches horticulture, she said, that, you know, last year we had two engineers in the program, both qualified, and they're having to sit there in the class and go through the fundamentals of math because there's a group of students in there that don't get it. And so, just looking at the potential there is now, that mm-hmm. need never happen ever yep. again. If we, so, sorry, Lucy. No, go on. You finish. Finish what you're oh, saying. No, I mean, as long as we don't do this thing. I mean, I hear voices saying, "I'm going to go back to the way I taught before mm-hmm. um, 2020." <laughs> and I just, I, I think, even if instructors plan on returning to that. I don't think students will accept it. I think there's going to be huge pushback from so many students. And then the idea of high flex learning is disruptive. The idea that you might have some students come to class and some not, but why not? Just because it Mm -hmm. disrupts the way that we have previously understood
3: Mm -hmm. what
2: it means to learn. I mean, this, this is why when talking about asynchronous work, this is going to be our next big problem. Because hours don't fit into that, no. so when you have an hours-based model, and now you're, you know, maybe working on um, content that's, you know, that needs to be hands-on, you know, in the institution. Let's say you're doing some hands-on as well. Um, how does the hours work now? This is going to throw all the institutions kind of through a loop. And also, when you come back to Sally's point. Um, and I want to just touch on some of our trades programs for indigenous, indigenous learners mm. that haven't been successful. And it's because of policies like ours. And, um, and because, I mean, obviously all students have other constraints outside work, but some of the things that we don't understand is those cultural constraints. And um, that's why we see a lot of these students fail because of the policy of hours and absences and things like that. They they want to um, succeed in the program. They have the ability to do it, but we can't bend, and we can't be fluid. And by removing hours um, and keeping the competency, will allow that learning to happen. You know, and yeah, so that's my solution as well.
4: That, <laughs> that, <laughs> the whole idea of them it's not, not being—we expect them to be flexible all the time, right? Like if something happens in the LMS or just don't worry about it, we'll get it yeah. sorted out, be flexible. But we're, we don't expect that of us, right? Like yeah, we're never flexible. Certainly. We are. It is what it is. You will take this test. You will have these hours. You will make sure that the assignment's in like, we don't have that flexibility. It needs to go. It's, and we've said it before, but it's a relationship both ways. And the relation, it's a relationship, not a dictatorship. And I think any good educational experience is based on relationships and not Dictatorships. And I think we as educators, all four of us have been relationship based. And so, and that comes with some flexibility. And when we start standing up and saying, this is the way it has to be all the time for you, because that's the way I did it, and that's the way he did it, and that's the way she did it, then that's wrong. And like everybody learns in different paths, and we need to start designing for that. And we have the opportunity now. COVID has shone the light saying that those who actually took the time to design well used asynchronous and created some really, really innovative, cool stuff. Granted, there's some really terrible asynchronous, synchronous situations going on as well. So some students might be looking forward to going back to face to face, but in my experience, I think it's better off for the students. I've seen it designed well. I've, I've experienced and seen how it can change students' lives. I think, um, we need to incorporate that kind of flexibility into our own uh, institutions.
1: Tim Carson, wake up!
4: Hey, whoa! Sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry. Did Tim? Oh. Did you remember it was your show? Like <laughs> Tim's, like I could just go out. I
2: could yeah. go out there. Uh, Lucy got my, my attention go. there.
0: She just said the magic word.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, so many questions burning down. What are you now. gonna burn? So many-
2: what are you gonna What are you gonna burn down? I'm interested well, to know. Interested got, got So many questions. Mm-hmm. So many Ooh. questions.
0: Um. Yeah, that that the comment that you made, Chad, about forcing people to fill out the logbook—that's pencil whipping—and mm-hmm. that's prevalent, massively prevalent. And I would agree that it's some of the methodology is skewed. I'm not I'm not willing to throw the baby out with that bathwater yet. Um, there was also some chat about removing hours-based approaches to completion.
2: I saw your eyebrow do this when I said that. (laughs) So I wonder what you were thinking.
0: A lot, a (laughs) lot. Um, So the block release methodology, um, are you talking about reducing hours for technical training or for the whole apprenticeship?
2: I'm not talking about like reducing. I'm talking about removing.
0: Sorry, let me read the question. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Madam Chair, can I? I can <laughs> yep. The witness hostile?
1: Yeah,
3: no, that's okay. It's
2: it's the Buckingham Palace thing, Tim. Know, it's I, just like, like so, you know. Sorry. And then my husband just texts me, more wine, Christian Mark? I'm going to reply, yes, please. Yes, bring the whole bottle. The bloody bottle. <laughs> with, the, with the glass yeah, stopper. With the glass stopper. <laughs> with the glass stopper.
3: <laughs>
0: with the glass stopper. Okay. <laughs> okay. So are you looking at removing hours for the whole apprenticeship?
2: Yeah. So what I'm saying, sorry, my husband's trying to feed the kids downstairs, so I, and there was a digital baby just now too. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, they're <laughs> happy in it. her house. Yeah, I house did you know. was just, uh, kids, yeah. Was just. Where are the kids? Oh, they're
0: asleep now. They're they're good. They're <laughs> tired. Yeah. they're in
2: bed. Um. Yeah. yeah. So the the whole program has got nothing. It's not our set. It's it's competency mm. set. So what you would say is this program is for an academic year, mm-hmm. runs from September till July. Mm -hmm. um in north american academic year that's till june they get nine weeks on the holidays man that's Mm going to kill me um anyway so uh so you you have this academic year that you will attend school like monday to friday and there's an absency policy this is what i had but i don't think you should you should have even had that but anyway um you shouldn't have absences policy policy and the fire Um, spreads and yeah there should be no absences Shouldn't be docked. Yeah. Anyway, Um, so so no absences. So if you're, you shouldn't. It shouldn't say ten percent absence, and then if not, you're removed from the program. I disagree fully. And
0: not just partially.
2: I remember that, like people that I really look up to at the institution i work for is going to be like this way um but i i really i really feel that um it doesn't we, benefit anybody we can give you
0: a different name from a different institution that'd be fine too
2: yeah that would
1: be good. <laughs> i'd like Jane that jones
0: it's interesting name.
1: yeah Kate that's jones. interesting and we can um, pretend you're mike smith if we change your voice
0: mm, michelle smith you
1: me michelle
0: <laughs> michelle, <laughs> michelle smith. and
1: mike they're right trouble those two yeah, yeah
0: rowdy <laughs> Yeah, Wait for, wait for um, the sister Michaela to sh- show up. Just-
2: <laughs> no, so I think that it should be based on you have to complete these learning tasks and objectives in order to mm. complete the program. Mm. And these are all the things we expect from you. We expect your completed mm-hmm. e-portfolio. We expect these um, practical assessments to be done. We expect this. And with absences too, like you're going to be hugely successful if you try not to miss any more than 10%. Now, mm-hmm. generally, the reason why people miss school is not because they're just, you know, have really bad, you know, they're tardy. It's not because of that. It's generally because of another factor. So if you can support that other factor, you won't get the absences. So mm-hmm. that's why I don't, you know, generally if like with when I was teaching, if I started to see some absences, like I'd speak to the student. I'd get a feeling I might pull in like you know somebody from counselling and say you know I let's get a conversation going here. Or it might be something to learn learning. It might be that they're, that they're bust, that they're inaccessible. They're like mm-hmm. let's figure something out. It's Can generally not because they don't give a saying. damn.
1: Was mm-hmm. it that they didn't want to come in to listen? to
2: somebody tell them no people love listening to me it definitely wasn't that
1: (laughs) no no not you not you I thought we were talking about other people
2: I do agree with that too because like if they know oh I've got to come in and listen to that in the morning then I'm going to be hands-on doing the stuff I like yeah then maybe they'll come in an hour late and you know I don't blame them like so find out what's going on it's generally not the tardiness it's generally there's another factor there and um, because of it, and if somebody is just showing up late because they can't be bothered, then I'm sorry, I don't want you in my program. Like you're not contributing, you're not doing any of your competencies, you're not showing up in your practice. Like have that conversation, but don't just base it on someone who wants to be there but has a multiple constraints outside school that you know can't get them into education because that's just putting up a barrier. Um, and and um, and so so that's why that's what I think about absences. But with, with hours based learning, you can't say that if, um, you know, if you tended 25 hours more than me to a program that you're going to be, you know, in more insanely smarter in that, in that aspect than I am. Um, you know, I'm just super smart and can absorb the information way quicker. Like it shouldn't be based on the time your bum is in that seat. It should be based on the quality of 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 learning that you are giving back to your instructor and you know one of the things that nikki said um, which stuck with me is that you know if you're if you're working more than your students then you're doing something wrong so your students should be providing you with an abundance of work and um, and so it shouldn't great work and it shouldn't be based on how how long you're there for in a day or or the whole year um, it should be based on the, t- the 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 quality of work that you're producing. Because you can have somebody there the whole time that produces minimal, great work, lower level work, and someone that's there a short amount of time that you're like, wow, oh, this person's like knows what they're doing, you know. And um, but again, you it's really difficult. really are
1: disrupting the system, <laughs> aren't you, Lucy? <laughs>
4: Well, a lot of times I think we're, we're designing for the bad actors, right? And that's not like when the majority of our students are not cheaters The majority of our students aren't going to skip. So why are we designing all these assessment proctorio proctoring Mm -hmm. services? Sorry, Tim, you're about to get slapped with a slap. Um, (laughs) With all that sort of stuff. Like when it's like a vast majority of our students are honest and the vast majority of students are going to show up all the time. And then the ones that don't sometimes, like you're saying, they don't show up because there's some family issue going on. And when you start and heaven forbid, we should actually talk to our students and find out if there's any way we can help. And then you start hearing the real story. Well, such, such and such my mom or my daughter is, and then you hear these stories that those like, we need to be a little more empathetic towards our students and start stop assuming that they're all bad. So we design these systems that say, you've got to be in this class from this time to this time because of all this, right? Because that's the way it is. And if you weren't, you're going to be okay. screwing the system. Well, it's mm-hmm. not that way. Well, I even heard when we went, moved to online that the students, we had to make sure that our students were getting face-to-face time for six hours a day online because if they weren't, then they were going to be screwing the system by going to work and collecting EI. And how often did that happen? Everybody was in the midst of a pandemic at the beginning of it in March and we're all terrified over it. Okay. And here we are showing no empathy at all. No, and just assuming yeah. that our students are out there screwing the system again.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, I I was department head for six years and we had about 500 students a year. Like we had a lot of students in our go through our department. And that's probably minimum the amount of students we have right now. And um, and I remember the ones that I had to remove from the program. And I remember being really upset about it because I knew it was wrong and I had Mm -hmm. to do it because other people had. You know, remove their students—that ten percent—and other. If I, I I couldn't show that likeness, but I didn't have control over that. So I remember those faces of students and the stories behind those students. And um, yeah, I I disagree with the uh, attendance policy. Timothy. Timothy. Burn it down, Tim. You are up.
1: Burn it down.
0: I don't think, there's anything, I don't think there's anything left to, for me to burn down. All right. Here we go. Mike's got one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So all of you have been talking about really, really important issues and really, really important um, interventions and, and they're all great ideas and I've been writing them all down. However, let me let me put forth to you something that's really burning my bubble and has been burning my bubble for a long time. And I think my bubbles burst. And I'm not sure I have a solution. That's kind of why I'm going into a PhD program. Hopefully they're going to show me a solution. So here's the, here's the, here's, here's the piece that no one's talking about. And it's kind of a twofold thing where it's, it's, it's like puff pastry. You have, you have multiple layers here. The first one, Is professional development for TVET faculty where the PID actually means something beyond a pay grade. And I'll just leave that sitting for a second. The second one is levels of support and engagement from all levels of the system, from the VP down to the newest hire. So too many times we see people move from faculty to department head, chief instructor, whatever you want to call them chair into administration. So associate deans, directors, and a switch gets flipped. And from a leadership perspective, I understand why that switch is there. I, I don't think it's the right switch but i I know why it's there and it gets flipped and too many times I see people change when they get into an administrative role i wanna i would love to see a deeper level of support commitment between administration and faculty more than oh this is my portfolio or these are my five portfolios and I have to look after this and And I think I know what the answer is, but I'm not sure. So the first one, the PD for TVET faculty, meaning the PID beyond a pay grade. I really, really think, and this is going to get me in hot water, but I really, really think that TVET faculty should never be moved into a permanent position without their ID. End of story
2: without their PI without the right instructor diploma. Is that what
0: you're talking about? Yeah. I should also, I would also say, I think preferential treatment, and you can't say that in an interview, but preferential treatment or a higher pay grade needs to be given to those people who have started and or completed an ID program before they start at your institution. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I don't care if you're the best plumber in the freaking world. That doesn't make you a good teacher. Now yeah. the, I, the ID program does not make you a good teacher because people have faked that and they've mm-hmm. gone through it and they, they go, thank you very much. I'm not frozen into step five anymore. Now I'm next year. I'll bump up to a step seven because I completed my ID in a year and I'll get that pay raise plus the annual pay raise. So I'm moving up too thank you very much. ID mm-hmm. goes on the shelf and they never use it again. I would I would love to see some kind and and this is fraught with danger because we're seeing it in the academic side where people are are really pushing back against the tenure track model. Mm-hmm. But I I'm I'm wondering if there's something to rise out of those ashes for us to look at and really begin getting at the heart of why we do what we do. And it really comes down to two questions for me. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? The second question is. What is it for? Answer those two questions. And I think you begin building not only a foundation, but a whole new framework. So as you're burning it down, that's what I'm thinking of. With the administration side, the administration support side, what I, what I would really think about is the idea of trust. It's, it's a huge issue. Because as soon, as soon as, and I'm not, this is a wide brush, but as soon as somebody moves from, from collective agreement to non-collective agreement, they're stepping over a very significant line. And a lot of people recognize that and they go, oh, you're management now, so I have to treat you differently. It's like, well, why? Well, because you're management, I can't trust you. And I've seen the other, the other side of that play around I management. Now I can't trust you to do what you're doing. So I have to control you. And I'll think of different ways, different levers to pull to control you to do what I want you to do because I'm being looked at for my boss and how well I'm performing in my portfolios. So I'll gently put down the matchbox.
2: So I, I want to pick it up so I,
4: I though. Can I just <laughs> no, push? No, I want to go
2: first. No, Chad, you go. Honestly, I'll wait. Just hurry up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's on, my. This will be on. very
4: quick. So, as far as administration <laughs> is concerned, I agree. We They take a step over that line and a switch gets flipped. Not all the time, though. Like we see individuals, such as an individual we had on this podcast very recently, that w- that didn't flip that switch. Also what we do see in an institution that I used to work at naming names that you see a lot of those managerial positions, they have MBAs, they don't have MEDs, they don't have MAs in learning and technology. They are, they are, they're, they're there to watch the budget. And so they get pushed for that. So the higher ups, the higher than the higher ups need to realize that there's needs to be some pedagogical understanding put into this. There also needs to be empathy. And we need individuals because what ends up happening is the ones that are empathetic end up staying in the teaching profession because they love their students and they, they stay empathetic and they say, they want to, they care. Imagine if we had all these caring individuals, such as Jesse, who moved into those positions and then started, started caring downwards, right? Cause we have this caring sideways happening between an instructor and a, and a student. And we don't have a lot of caring up because we don't feel it coming from down from up top. So if we could cross that line, And imagine if the switch that got flipped wasn't the managerial switch, but the empathy switch and saying, Hey, I'm here as a servant to help you to facilitate you much like we're in our classrooms where we're trying to facilitate our students. We're no longer speaking and them listening. We're coming alongside and facilitating while they're learning. Imagine if those deans and associate deans did that and they, they gave their instructors the rope for which they could run and do things with and be innovative. But that doesn't happen because it scares people. And so they don't do it and they they try to reel it in. And so I would love to see a lot more care put into who are we hiring to these positions and are they just going to be counting the money? Because if that's the case, you're you might be building an empire, but you're going to lose it all in the end mm-hmm. and it doesn't work.
1: You know, Chad, on that note, I think there is hope on the horizon. KPU and BCC recently posted um, positions for associate VPs, and their portfolio is teaching and learning. Mm. It's a portfolio with innovation, it's curriculum yeah. and pedagogy. These are new positions, and I think that that speaks to. What institutions the,
0: were there, Ian?
1: Oh, was I not supposed to mention that? No,
3: no. no. Oh, okay. Again.
1: KPU and BCC. Okay. And so these are new positions and, and I think this speaks to the value that managing a budget can be done by somebody other than those of us that really truly value yep. education. And, and I'm hopeful.
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I just think that, yeah, I, enough said, I don't want to get slapped with a slap myself. And <laughs> well, um, hey, Lucy.
2: Well, I, I, um, firstly, when I, I thought I wrote it down when you changed my way of thinking, um, Tim. when you first said that you need to have a PIDP before you become a teacher, I disagree. Only because um, I did my teaching degree, um, and to those of you that are listening, I just did a cringe face. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, um, when I was when I did my teaching degree, um, through sitting guilds in the UK. I had to be, and I think, you know, how it's designed now, like I had to be delivering the in those scenarios in order for me to bring forth authentic work into my into my teaching degree, which here is the PIDP. It's very much the same. And um, I had to make the mistakes so I was able to reflect. I had to um learn about theory so that I could. Try them out and practice them. And I was really transparent with my class, like I'm going through this, and um, um, teaching, training. Why I'm doing this? So I want to try this out. I want to try this technique. So I think it was it was hugely beneficial for me, especially as a trades person, a hands-on person, to be learning and doing at the same time. When you said before um, that question, that's what I remembered. That question where you said, you know, why is it you want to do this? Um, I've also interviewed many people that have said, I want to teach now. And you all have probably too, because I don't want to be in my industry anymore. I don't want to stand anymore. I don't want to work my hands anymore. I'm tired. Um, No, I want passionate people who love the industry and I want to hook them in. I want to hook these passionate people in who still love what they're doing and say, please teach. And we will support you in becoming a great teacher because you're Mm -hmm. passionate about what you do. And I think there are instructors that do just go through the PIDP, probably just to get it done. Um, And, but um, I'm working with quite a few instructors right now who I'm supporting through their PIDP who are asking me, um, how can I do this authentically? How, what can I do with my class to create something great for this assignment? And um, my husband's going through his PIDP right now, too. So I feel like I'm going through it again. Um, And, uh, and so like I'm exploring things, you know to show him what he can be doing with his students that he hasn't necessarily seen before. So that's why I do feel it's hugely beneficial to be taking this while you are teaching, whether you're um, leading apprentices on the field or whether you're working in an institution. um, And I think you need to be, um, you know, you need to once you have your PIDP, I think then you should be expected to mentor other people to go through their PIDP because there's no mentoring system. And I think that's what's really needed, which I'm kind of doing holistically with people just because they've asked. But I think that mentoring system to understand this is why you need to know this. Like when we teach boring, um, you know, foundation stuff about best practices or you know, work safe things like we have a reason, like I nearly lost my finger. So this is why you need to know this, you know, like this mentoring pitch for this. So that's why, that's why I think it's really good to do while you learn. And then I, with the other factor with administration, um, I'm very lucky. And I say this wholeheartedly, the deans that I work with, they didn't flip a switch and they're authentic and even when I was you know when I was a new department head um I've had bad experiences too but I've I've, they've been overwhelmed with the better experiences so I've been I've been really lucky in it's always connecting back to the student and there's always a greater vision and um so I can't really talk I've known people that haven't been good at their, you know, at their job, but I'm very lucky that, um, you know, I haven't had that experience. And, uh, and so that flip, that switch flipped hasn't, hasn't happened for me from, for people that, you know, I, I necessarily work with, I'm sure it does. Um, I think for me, the reason why I'm more nervous about becoming, um, you know, a dean and moving forward is because I'm more worried about a, pres- a president coming in who is has a completely different idea to you and just completely removing you from a position that you love and care for. That's a fear more for me than having. I, I find that we've had some really good deans um, and I feel they need to be supported in making sure they don't have that fear. And when they take that leap out of being faculty, leaving that collective agreement to go in excluded, and they they risk a lot to do that um as well because now they don't have you know that security anymore so that's a huge jump so that's just my personal experience yeah if
1: I could just hop on in here just for a second before it goes back hop in hop in so um interestingly enough with what Tim said suggested about the PIDP um some of you may know that I've actually been performing research on instructors experiences and perceptions around mm. the provincial instructors diploma and it was last week that I actually presented the findings to uh dean's group so very timely conversation and i i think that you know one of the biggest findings that came out of there is This whole it's well VCC in their own words say that really now that every trades instructor in the province is a polite hostage to this system because it's in the collective agreement, and and the moment it goes into the collective agreement, it almost takes away these learning Mm. opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it's like the paradox of learning, like it's a punishment as well as it's this incredible opportunity. So I'm going to say that. I think that is problematic right there. It yeah. makes it problematic. but I also want to add when I was thinking about, okay you know what is it that the one thing that I really want to change about trades education and, and I went for the, the students' part around you know the perceptions of learning is listening, but my other point really was that it's the assumption that subject matter experts can teach that they are educators and why would we believe that why would anybody believe just because you are can do something that you can teach something and i think this comes into the value of you know access to the pid but not with that flip side to it where it becomes um you know it's like well you were saying earlier your chat about um pedagogy as a weapon, you know, why would the PID be sort of weaponized when, you know, if you don't get this, you can't get your pay increase at the same time, just seeing it as your ticket to a pay increase. These are problematic on yeah. both sides. I, tried yeah. to so really quick.
0: I feel like I need to be a little more clear on some of this. So one, I didn't say exclusively have your PID before you get hired. I, I said Show preferential treatment to those who have started and/or completed.
2: Perfect, I agree.
0: Me too.
2: uh, Totally have my approval. (laughs) The the the
0: other this this all stems from my deep conviction that when you move from the field to education, you are doing a career change. Oh, we're we're hired as subject matter experts, and Sally, you proved that they hired you. You went and did your red seal exam. Yeah, you studied, but I mean. Okay, you had all this experience, and and you pr- and that came through for you. I'm summarizing rather broadly, but that was that was my interpretation. Here's the comparison: If somebody wants to teach outside of Tvet in academia, they need to have a certain level of education. Now, now, now again, that doesn't make them teachers, right? but they have to have a certain level of credential to prove that they've been in a system and that they understand certain things. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm couching this and saying that it doesn't make them teachers. Just like a red seal doesn't make you a good, a good tradesperson. It just means you've passed an exam. The
2: benchmark, Yeah.
0: Yeah. If, if somebody wants to head into the public school system, they have to go and get their teacher certificate before they're hired, before they're even doing anything. They have to go and get their teacher certificate. And yet when it comes to the TVET world, that's not, that's not, that's not applicable. It's looked at, Oh, you've got your red seal. You've done five years of supervisory experience, but you're a lousy tradesperson. You sucked as a supervisor, but now we're going to hire you as an educator because man, you've been out in the field for 30 years and you, you seem to know your stuff because you, you can, yeah. you can, you can quite honestly, BS your way through an interview. And, oh, and by the way, somebody recommended you and the field that we have to pick from is nearly dead. Mm -hmm. So if there's a half alive flower, we're going to pick it because we need it. So I'm, I'm really talking about a systematic approach, a system wide perspective. And that's and that kind of folds into my my administration poke a little bit. And. So I, I just wanted to clarify those for, for,
2: yeah, that for makes perfect sense to me. And because because I, fully I, I agree,
0: I go back to my HMA squared principle, a heart, mind, attitude, action. If the heart is there, the, the thinking will come if it's not already there then the attitude will be informed by how we think, and then the actions will be there. Will they always be right? No. Will you make mistakes? Yes. But the mindset, the heart, the core value is I'm on a learning trajectory. Just because I got my red seal doesn't mean I stopped learning. Just because now I'm hired as an instructor doesn't mean I know everything there is to know about my trade. So if you're not willing to continue the learning journey, how in the world are you going to look at a student and say, your your learning journey needs to continue? That's where I'm coming from. That's what I'm going to probably base a PhD on. I'm going to, yeah. That's what we're going to write a book about. Uh, yes. That's what we're going to have a yes. movie on. We're going to sing
4: yes, some Dr. songs. Yes, Timothy,
1: I like it. And we're going to have the beer mugs for
3: it. No, t-shirt. I need to go get another we're one. want on <laughs>
4: Oh. doesn't academia fall within that as well? Like they get hired. Yes. They have to have their masters, yeah. but they don't have to have any kind of pedagogical background K to 12 does, but what do they do? They have student teachers. And to go back to what Lucy was saying earlier, what about a mentorship program? What about mm-hmm. when a student, no, when an yeah, SME no, no. comes in that they yeah, no. have to mm-hmm. follow, become a student teacher and imagine yeah. the, the difference that that could make. I, I don't disagree with any of that.
0: Mm-hmm. and And I don't, I don't necessarily think those are, foolproof models either. Okay. Cause I have colleagues that have gone through the, the, the K to 12 system as, you know, teaching students or in their teaching certificate and they've been, they go out to their practicums and some of them have had horrible practicums. Oh
2: yeah. If you're like, just, just as horrid, driver, as, you're screwed.
0: <laughs> just as some of us have had horrid experiences with our journey people. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. some of them have had brilliant ones. Like almost like that that couldn't have been written better than, than you experienced. So it's not the end all be all right. But it's certainly an, an opportunity for us to say, why, why is teaching important to you? And what do you want to do this for? Mm-hmm. If you want to do it for a pension. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll move on. Right. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know if there's any, well, there isn't a, a, an easy answer because this is, this is none of these things have simple answers because if there were simple answers, somebody would have found them out already. But it, it, for me, there's, there's two things it comes down to trust and value. Trust and value. And people will not feel that they have value in a, in a system. If they also don't feel trusted and, or they can't trust people, especially above them. And and to answer your question, Chad, yeah, academia suffers from this too, right? But you look at the tenure track when people are trying to go for tenure. uh, I, I know of somebody in an institution in the province of British Columbia, who's going for tenure and they have to, they have to jump through a ton of hoops to prove that they are quote unquote, worthy of tenure. Okay. Now, you may not agree with that process. That process may be flawed, but it's a process nonetheless. And it's more than just a comprehensive exam.
1: And Tim, I think really what you're saying is like we need a new process or we need to revisit this current process. And I think that for me, what I'm hearing sort of reminds me of Habermas's life world. And when we look at, you know, we can look at it like a, like a pizza and slices of pizza. And when the slice that is predominant within that pizza, the largest slice is all about the budget, or maybe it starts taking up over, you know, 50% of this pizza pie, which is the life world of this particular education system that's the driving force and we let we value the other areas less and um have life world and i'm not an expert in this anybody that's listening knows that by now but there's a tipping point when the slice of the other pieces the the other value systems become so large that they erode at the real value of education. And I think that that's where we're heading here today when we're saying that decisions are being made because they are, you know, financial drivers. Why are we using multiple choice tests? Because they're cheaper to use, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think Mike Welton needs to be a guest You need to get on your calendar.
0: Yeah. So here's, here's, here's my, here's my thing. And I I understand the role of budgets and I think, and they're important, Mm -hmm. but they're just a tool, right? They're just a tool. I think they get leveraged in some cases too much. And I think they get, you know, sometimes neglected too much. I mean, from what I've heard administration, they live or they die on their budget right? What, what if, what if the budget was, was looked at as a means to an end, but not the end that there always seems to be bags of cash around. There always seems to be bags of cash around, even, even in the worst of times when, when, you know, an institution that won't be named because of slap, um, Went, went one year in the, in, in, in the plus and the very next year, within months of fiscal turning into the new fiscal, they were like millions in the hole. Okay. And then the Institute miraculously bounced back within two to three years. Right. Which in a, in a, in a, in an educational facility, two to three years is like really two to three weeks in its whole lifespan. It's really not that long of a time. And and, and, and oftentimes I see things getting funded where the question is, where did the money come for this? Oh, we did this and we did that. And we, we pulled some strings and there's the money. Oh, really? So it really comes down to a sense of value for you. Doesn't it? That those things that you really value, you're going to find ways to fund it. And those things that you don't value, you're just going to tolerate it because you're going to be quote unquote tied to a budget. Quite frankly. That's no different than our own personal lives. If I want to find out what you value, I only need to look at two things. I look at your calendar and I look at your bank records because how you spend your time and how you spend your money will tell me what your value system is. It's no different in an institution. Oh, we really value our faculty and being on top of what they need to do and what in the curriculum that they need to deliver. Okay. Are you giving them time to, create curriculum to deliver it. Oh no, we expect them to do it off their desk. That just comes with the job. Well then stop saying that you value that because you're not giving them time. You're not giving them money.
4: silence
2: so i've just thought of about six new podcasts that we can do in 2021 yeah,
4: that's the problem okay right speaking of burning it down um I when know. i listen upstairs my kids are going buck wild and i need to spell Boys something they're not buck naked yeah going buck Same, wild. Well, i just, I just probably heard probably my, is, my so. husband huff
2: so he yeah. went he huffed very loudly <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think he needs reprieve he's a, he's a glass so of wine this is just the beginning really isn't it this is Gosh, just chopper. the beginning I'm okay. excited about next year. So yeah. excited. Yeah, I yeah. mean, too. I'm also scared and I, you know, we, we don't know what the, we don't know what's going to happen and we don't mm-hmm. know what the outcome's going to be, but we need to just explore it and support yeah. the people that need support. Mm.
0: Well, I, I think all bets are off to a certain degree. And I think all doors are open. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm turning my perspective around from doors are closed until they open. I'm looking at it going, mm-hmm. all the doors are open until they close. and And until one closes, then I'll stop moving but when when they don't close i'm going to keep moving and um so that's it so yeah thank you so much cool. everybody chad Thanks. lucy sally
2: cheers everyone well done on a great year yeah. like, uh, yeah. Yeah. 50 great cheers. podcasts yes yeah. cheers awesome. to the next 50
0: here's to yeah. the yeah. next
2: 50 <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely course, it's
2: like half my seed. age but never mind. A, yeah oh. half your age oh, <laughs> oh the secrets joking joking
0: yeah, yeah
1: she
0: must um, be tired she's lost count well, I,
2: okay
0: <laughs> 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 don't lose your sleep and don't you. lose yourself in that big castle that you gotta go through I know
2: right? exactly yeah exactly alright
0: well
3: okay thanks so much thanks. for taking the
0: time really appreciate it love you all and um yeah the thinking doesn't stop no never alright